Welcome to Terminal Talk, broadcasting live at the time from <laughs> IBM Systems Technical University in Washington, D.C. Beautiful downtown Washington. Yes. Um, we are at the end of the, the first day. Uh, how, how are things going for you, Frank? Yeah, I should go to a session. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm having a great time. I am especially excited because we have with us the prolific Chad Rickensrud. Very nice. Very nice. Yes. Um, it's a good thing you made him do it three or four times. Yeah, we've been working on this for an hour. We would have started earlier. <laughs> You'll notice I said his name with a question mark at the end. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, we, we are we are uh, very excited to have the, you know perhaps one of the most prolific mainframe hacker security guys here. It's not in prison anymore. <laughs> it's not. In prison. I, never, I never was in prison. I haven't been yet, and I don't plan on going. So he's he's going to talk to us about security and mainframes and mainframe security and securing mainframes and whatever else whatever else we really feel like it because it's the end of the first day and we're all a little punchy we're a little punchy right now yeah right <laughs> and the fireworks are over now so we can we, we can, can carry start. yeah if carry everybody on. knows what's so special about eight o'clock on what is the 13th mm-hmm. yeah let me know i think it's the end of ibm z tech u fireworks yes. I think that's, yeah i'm sure that's yeah, what, that's what that they do the now agenda i yeah. welcome you right in yeah it's good <laughs> yeah so, uh, what do you do? <laughs> well, I am. Uh, what, what I do now is uh, I, I I'm living out every uh, young like '90s hacker's dream, and I hack Gibsons for a living. You hack to Gibson. I hack to Gibson. That's what I do. <laughs> so for for all you hackers fans out there, like I have, I've taken a young little Midwestern farm boy's dream and made it the the real deal. And I uh, I hack mainframes for a living. That's funny because I didn't see your skateboard when you came in here. I did. I, it's a hoverboard. Oh, actually, really? And I, uh, I just parked uh, it in the hallway. Uh, that's there. smart. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I, really it, smart guy. I, I work. <clears throat> I work for a company called RSM Partners, and uh, we do the. Uh, this is the only the the only pitchy part of this. We do <laughs> mainframe security. So we do mainframe security assessments. Pen tests, adversarial simulations. We do some mainframe software, but we we literally hack your mainframe. You can bring us in, and we will either log in and tell you what's wrong with it, or we can work with your red team or your pen testers and break into it with your permission, of course, uh, and everything in between. And uh, so that's that's what I do, and uh, I I love it. <laughs> so you use a couple of terms there that you know people may not be familiar with. Uh, uh, red team and and pen testing. Like I, I have some pens and I they work pretty well. Sometimes I have to you know, shake test them, or scribble yeah, around in circles. Is yeah. that is that more or less yeah. what you do? Yeah, that's exactly what we do. We <laughs> oh, take, that's really cool. We get a box of Bix <laughs> yeah. and we just break them open. Okay. No, so um, yeah, pen testing is well. I'll take them both because they're slightly different yeah. uh, and they're they're interchanged often, but they're not the same thing. So pen testing is short for penetration testing and. Um, basically, it is, let's say you have a fortified system, something you believe is relatively secure, um, and a pen tester will come in and try to poke holes in it. So maybe find vulnerability because of a patch you haven't applied or a vulnerability because of a configuration uh, you made, and then uh, poke all kinds of holes in it and write that up and hand you a report and say, here's all the different things I found wrong with your system. You know, here's what I was able to do. I was able to you know, if you're in Windows, I was able to escalate my privileges. I got domain admin or I got root, something like that on Linux. Um, Sounds like the beginning of uh, sneakers. Yes, exactly <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, except we don't – I can't do the thing with the guy with the Braille. Oh, Whistler? That, that was impressive. <laughs> that was awesome. Go back. That was it. That was C-tech the C-Tech astronomy. <laughs> yeah, C-Tech astronomy is fantastic. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so uh, – 
but in red teaming is 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 more of a it's a it's a term that came out of the military and you'll find large organizations now often have their own internal red team and their their sole purpose in life is to train and help make better the blue team which are the defenders okay so they are the people who are in charge of securing engineering all of the company's assets the red team's job is to act like the adversary so where you know pen test is like maybe formal come in here's the scope blah blah blah. the red team runs an op and they come in and say our our op is to you know get this flag or get this thing and it might be you know, PCI data, or it might be uh, control of this system or control of your domain or whatever. Uh, and they generally operate without only permission or the only people that know that's happening are very high in the organization, uh. maybe legal, maybe the C-levels, but they don't tell anybody because they want to know, hey, did your SOC see them coming? And, and if they did, your security operations center, did they yep. see them coming? And if they did, what did they do? And what was their response? And just like you would if it was a real bad guy in your network. Uh, so that's what the red team does. And it has been the case, and we'll talk more about this, that the mainframe is often has been sort of out of scope for both of these types of engagements. Yep. So mainframers, they maybe get audits, you know, the likes of an external auditor or an internal audit come in and, you know, checkbox some stuff. Have you got your, you know, this setting set to this and this Parm Live and this and that and but that's it. <clears throat> but but they're not really poking at it, right? And or you know they say, well, mainframe. This is some really important stuff. We're not going to really push it too hard because we know if it goes down, bad things happen. Uh. You know, <laughs> so we're not going to really huh. we're not going to do that. So it's out of scope. So you'll find a lot of places they go in. You know, if you talk to an external pen testing firm, they come in and say, yeah, we we find mainframes, but they generally tell us not to touch it. Wow. Which is like, Terrible. you know, the, the look on your guys' faces is, says everything, right? It's like the deer in the headlights because, like, well, it's not like they didn't tell you to touch their Nest thermostat. Right. Because, right. like, well, it might get hot in here. Yeah. Right? So it's like my family has a history of cancer, so don't check me for that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's exactly right. Right. Or it's like you go to the doctor to get everything, and it's like, don't do the EKG. Heart's fine. Don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to poke at it. If, if we get on the treadmill and run, right. it might give up. You know, <laughs> have a problem. Like, Let's but, not yeah, do that. But Captain, you fly 747s around the world. <laughs> right. Yeah. But we just, so, so we don't want my heart yeah, to we, give we, up. Yeah. That's, that's out, out of the question. Exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> now, do they ever, you know, uh, switch sides? Like, is it like shirts and skins kind of thing? Yeah, uh, I think that actually, um, I've talked to uh, one company just recently. It was at a conference, and they actually take periodically people from the blue team and circulate them through the ma- to the red through the red team. And the reason is, like, the the best adversaries are people who have built it and supported it mm-hmm. and fixed it when it went bump in the night, uh, and it keeps them fresh, right? It keeps them. Uh, right. You know the the adversaries like anybody after a while tend to get single tunnel vision kind of stuff. You know, so they they do actually do that. And a lot of times the red team is comprised of people who were originally blue teamers, engineers. Oh, plus I would imagine you don't want one team <clears throat> you don't want one team like squirreling away secrets. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and you know if if they're doing that, they're doing it wrong. The, right. the goal of the red team is to make the blue team better. Yeah. It's so not, that when not the real win. bad guys roll in. <laughs> Your your game your your top of your game right. right so their job should be like you know not not humiliating not one upping but really like raising the bar in a realistic way for any particular engagement or whatever that is and and does this training like 
really pay off? Do people like what? What do people see from it? I think so. I mean, the, you know, <laughs> if you talk to the industries, uh, people in these tend to be major, major companies have their own internal red teams. So you know, Fortune, 10, 20, 30 yeah. big companies. Not saying anybody else couldn't, but it's a it's something you have when you have real adversaries, right? You know, nation states or, or other companies looking to steal your intellectual property or internal threats, right? People inside you that might – inside the company that might want to, you know, do you wrong. Um, and, yeah, I think there is a um, – so I can't, like, spout off any, in, in, like, statistics about it or anything. But from what I've seen, uh, it absolutely makes it better. It's like flexing – it's like working a muscle. You know, you go to the gym. If you don't, it just atrophies, right? Yeah. I mean, you've got to do something with it. If you want to test that red – test that blue team – You've got to work that muscle, right? And that's what the that's what they're doing, right? So what what I what I wanted to do, what I always wanted to do, you know, what I always wanted to do for the last you know, <laughs> is like be five on a years, podcast and is watch be on a podcast in DC after some fireworks and a long day on my feet. Well, at least you got beers. Right? <laughs> you did get beer out of the deal. Uh, is you know, quite a few years ago, uh, I had kind of an aha, and I was working for a large financial institution, and I had kind of an aha. Like, it was really getting into this idea of you know, how malware works and how the bad guys think and how the whole, you know, buzzword, bingo, cyber threat landscape <laughs> works, right? And, like, really that whole thing. And and I just I, I really had one of those middle of the night, woke up, and I was like, holy crap, man, who is doing this on the mainframe? Like, who is doing the the adversarial really, like, looking for bugs and binaries and poking at things and can you get a shell and can what you know what happens if you have this and what happens if you do this and look at all the like low-hanging fruit on here like password policies and that kind of stuff who's doing this on the mainframe and and the answer is like one guy right you know like i I did a bunch of google searches and like one guy's name kept kept coming up right and you know now we're like buddies because there's like six of us in the the world right (laughs) there's like six of us in the world right now yeah, like I, 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 it literally was. I was uh, googling it. It was like Phil, Phil Young, so like my partner in crime, right, Mister, Mister Soldier of Fortran, and he's going to be giddy right now because I said his name on a podcast. <laughs> so right, wherever he is right now, when he's listening to this, he's going to he's like, he's going to say my name. You better say my name. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was, he was the one who'd been out there a few years prior to me talking about this, and I literally cold called Phil. It was weird, and yeah. I was like, hey, uh, I kind of think this mainframe hacking thing is cool too. Do you want to talk? <laughs> weird. Like, do you like me? Check yes or no. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I do actually. And if you know Phil or met him at all, it's totally not surprising at all because like yeah. once you're in this, somebody comes up to me and starts talking about it, like I'll be all over it, right? Mm-hmm. right. Same thing. And then you know, a year later, we did a co-talk at DEF CON and uh, the, the premise of that, which is it's kind of a funny story, uh, how, how I work and how we got up to it was like, does a buffer overflow work on a mainframe? Because I had been told there was like magical unicorn blood coursing through the mainframe <laughs> right. that you couldn't actually do a buffer overflow, right? And we can talk about what that is if you want, but like that that wouldn't work on the mainframe. And I heard that the mainframe is inherently secure. It's inherently secure, <laughs> which means it's, I don't have to talk about you don't. it. Don't. It's unhackable. As yes. it turns out, you cannot hack the mainframe. <laughs> right. It says so right in the literature. Right. Yeah. It's it can't be done. So you don't have to look how about it. look how fast I'm waving my arms. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. No. And it it turns out so I had never prior to that I had 
run departments with people at mainframes. I understood a lot about like high level mainframes, how it worked together, the, the moving pieces, but I didn't really have any hands-on experience prior to that. And so um, when somebody said it couldn't be done and I kind of got this, I was like, okay, who said, here's my goal. Like mainframe, it's a, it's a von Neumann architecture, right? So you guys maybe know what that means. Yep. Other folks might not, right? So on your CPU, the actual CPU, the instructions, the actual instructions tell the CPU what to do, and memory within that address space can, can coexist. So if you have an area of memory that has the right bytes in the right order and you can get the CPU to point there, you can execute those bytes, assuming they're valid instructions, right? right? There's other CPU architecture types where that doesn't really apply. But x86 is a von Neumann architecture. Z architecture is von Neumann in that in that respect. Right. Yeah. I was like, okay, so that that we check that box and it runs C, right? You can run C code. So on it has so like pointers. So I'm like, okay, we got pointers, we got buffers, <laughs> and we can probably overflow them unless they're doing something magic with their C. So I got myself a mainframe, <laughs> which is a different story. Went, okay. Went down the street. So <laughs> yeah. the mainframe. I'm, just, I'm making a I list told, of stuff we're gonna get to. Right? I called Connor and oh, I said, okay. "Look, I need some time on your mainframe, buddy." And uh, I got myself some 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 time on some mainframes that I could like really kind of abuse. And I just started writing like the hello world of C buffer overflows and tracing it out in memory and seeing where I could, if I could overwrite something useful, uh-huh. and eventually I did. And then I wrote, you know, what, what is, sh- what we call shell code, which is basically an executable with all the, all the initialization stuff removed. So it's just the, the bytes of a program that, that do the useful thing. So if, like, if you write hello world and C and compile it and you look at that binary, there's a whole bunch of stuff before it actually prints hello world right. on the screen that like sets up the stack and all this other kind of stuff and then tears it down and all these things. Just the bit that prints out hello world, right? Yeah. You know, pop and calc, whatever it is, you know, <laughs> wrote some shell code, put it in my memory and was able to like to jump to it. And it was really funny because along the way I didn't – so I signed up and got accepted for this Defton talk before I knew that I could do this for real. <laughs> no this pressure. is a true story, and I'm announcing this to the world right now. <laughs> but it was also like, well, no better way to really prove it by than saying you could do it. And I was pretty sure. I was pretty sure. So, um, so I started, and every time I would get like a little bit further, I would call the only person in the world who gave a crap. <laughs> I would call Phil, and I would send him a screenshot. And I'd be like, dude, dude, look at this, look at this. And, and he'd be like, oh, my God. And it's like a picture of like – the the registers and one of them is all full of C's, like the letter C. Right. Which is like, hey, I put those there, right? <laughs> and the program those stopped. Those are my C's. And then the program yeah. stopped. So you know what that means, right? Yeah. Like I'm writing somewhere I shouldn't be writing. Mm-hmm. And I have mainframers to this day saying like, well, that doesn't work. You can't do this. Or, or, you know, to just kind of break in a serious mode for a minute, one of the things they assume is that if you can't break into – immediately into like supervisor state, if you can't break system integrity – that you have, well, you, what have you really done? And there's a big misconception among the really smart people that have been in mainframe for a long time that that is the only thing that matters. Mm-hmm. It is not the only thing that matters. People who have been pen testing for a long time or, or doing security for a long time realize that this is a series of footholds. You get in, first thing is you get creds on the system. And they could be the lowest level creds there are, but you're not, you have access. Now that I have access, I can start poking around, looking for misconfigurations, looking for an APF authorized library that's not, you know, secured or or something else on there. And then you do what we call privilege escalation and you move up the chain. 
But frankly, that user's ID might be able to read all your all your customer data. Yeah. You don't need to get supervisor access to read customer data. So so this idea that the only thing that matters is the holy grail is is where a lot of uh, sort of traditionalists in the mainframe security world kind of stumble. And it's like, no, no, no. You have to worry about any kind of access, any kind of compromise, right? So back to back to this, it's like, well, I can, you do a buffer overflow, but you're not going to get supervisor. Well, maybe. Yeah, are you, are you happy that I got a buffer yeah, overflow? right. <laughs> I mean, I'm executing code that I was not authorized to execute, or I, didn't, I did this without an ID because the program that I exploited was a, a listener of some kind, right? A socket listener, server of some kind, you know? So we did that. I did that, and it worked, and I, you know, through a series of calls with Phil, it's like, I have this to work. I did this. <laughs> Meanwhile, honestly, like, it's me and the principles of operations manual <laughs> and, and some really rudimentary debuggers that exist on the system that were designed mm-hmm. for people who build programs that work uh-huh. to try to break them, to try to fix the broken ones, right. not people who are, like, Doing what I'm doing and try to, trying to like just exploit the assembler code and so, so you read the book backwards. So that... Yes, exactly right. Turn upside <laughs> yeah. down. Oh, okay, yeah. but I spent a lot of time with the principles so of operations. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is a, for those of you who are un, uninitiated, like that is the I don't know how would you describe it. You you I think it's it legally exists so that somebody could if they wanted to build their own mainframe. <clears> they <throat> have to have yeah that's yeah. that's the the thing that we have to have right. To not be a monopoly. To, to not be sued. Yeah. <laughs> right, because you, you could write a CPU that executes those codes right. in some magical way, right. hypothetically, and, and then, you know, you'd be... It, the, the book serves several purposes. Yeah. One is the one we just talked about. Yeah. Two is if there's, like, a huge fly in the room. Right. You can do that. Or, <laughs> or if your monitor is, like, several inches too low. Right, right. You know, but it, it, it comes in handy. Yeah, there are some practical uses as well. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, I, well, I had the PDF version, so it did not do a really good uh, job of raising my monitor. Did get the full effect? No, in fact, I don't know that I've ever, I've ever had the printed? physical version. So if anybody at IBM wants to ship me like an early Christmas present, I, I think know, I can find one physical, even if it's old. You know, just having well, it, it would in be my, old in my <laughs> in my library would be amazing. Uh, I'll, I'll see if I can find one. That would be I, fantastic. I know I had. I had one for a, for a long time. Yeah. So when you, when you presented that at at DevCon, what was the reception like? <clears throat> it was it was good, and and um, but it was a it was a uh, it was an audience that is like you know if you've if you've never been to DevCon, I mean that's the the whole thing there is like you know I took this thing and then I ran code on it when it wasn't supposed to be able to, or I I used this thing in a way it wasn't meant to be. You know whether that's a car or a thermostat or voting <laughs> machines. Last year they hacked every single voting machine that yeah. was in existence in short order, which you know shouldn't scare anybody at all. <laughs> oh, totally hypothetical. Yeah, it never yeah, happened never, in never the real happened. world. But you know I'm, I'm falling out of my chair and shock. Right. Ouch. Oh, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, get up off the floor. Uh, but you know so so it was like yeah and. But that, but it, but it landed on a, a very a comfortable audience, meaning that they're this is what they're used to seeing. And to be honest, a lot of them don't really didn't really understand the value of the mainframe in right. terms of just like life, daily life in modern society. Right? Uh-huh. You, you guys have touched on this. Lots of people have touched on this. You can't go your day really in the normal world without interacting with mainframes all day long, and you don't know about it. Right. But the fact is, you know, this is like, you know, the thing I say to everybody is like, if you have one of these things, it's doing something important. 
right it's not just running your doom server although that would be awesome <laughs> that would be, be pretty, pretty right. important right it, that would be awesome but i yeah. have run a bitcoin miner on one <laughs> i didn't get any bitcoins but it runs no it works yeah they'd be the only application for blockchain by the way <laughs> Bitcoin mining. so um how hard is it i mean you you do this for a living how yeah. hard is it and i've because i've seen what, what we're talking about from from people for a long time how hard is it to get them to understand how important it is to do this work against the mainframe? Uh, we get a couple of different responses, and it, it de- so it depends, right? We'll get responses from people that have been entrenched in the mainframe world for a long time and say, no, we, you know, it's good. We never had any problems with it. You know, if you, if you Google mainframes that have been breached, there's only a couple. They're pretty high profile. Uh-huh. And, uh, I don't know that there have been any in the States, but if you Google ones in, like, Western Europe, there's been some ugly mainframe hacks. Um, but there haven't been a lot. You don't read about it every day, but you do read about the things that happen in the web servers and Java and, you know, the gift that keeps giving and, <laughs> and, and you know, various uh, Adobe products and that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> uh, but, you know, I mean, those things happen all the time. You read about it all the time. You don't read about the mainframe. And, I mean, here's where we get a little bit grim, right? The thing is, and I, you know, I, I challenge people with this. I say if you look at the breaches where they've stole, and, you know, we, we don't need to call anybody out, but if you look at the ones where they've stole, like, personal information. There have been some of those recently big, ugly ones. Or if you look at ones where they've stole, like, uh, payment information, you know, where they've been in points of sale and stuff like that. Those, if you just really want to boil that down, that's just theft. And those companies will continue to go on because they didn't really actually steal anything from the, the, the biggest impact of those companies. was some monetary impact, risk, reputation, that kind of stuff, right? But yeah. they, they're all still there. They're all going to keep going on, right? But here's the bad news, right? And this is where it gets really quiet in the room. We say this, like, <laughs> If 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 we had a real breach on one of these platforms, and it was and it was in a way that it it wasn't able to perform its normal duties, because let's say it got ransomware or something like that, it would it would be impactful in an entirely different way because the odds are the business that owns that system wouldn't function in its normal capacity yeah. because that's how important these things are, right? And so when I want to make that into like an elevator pitch to somebody, I would say something like, well, you know, it would make the, you know, breach that you saw at XYZ retailer look like a really good day because what we would do to it, you'd never do business again. Right. And then it's yeah. like really quiet. Then I get off and say, well, hey, well, here's my car. I'll talk to you later. And then I leave, <laughs> right? It's like, a bar, right? <clears throat> but it is, that, it is that dire. And this isn't like FUD and like, you know, and I'm not saying it's that dire because like the security posture is that bad. Some are, some aren't. But it's that dire in terms of its importance, its systemic importance right. in, in our retail economy, you know, airlines, government, insurance, healthcare, all those big verticals, right? And, and everybody's worried about the breaches where they steal your information, steal your information. Mm-hmm. But, but those aren't a guaranteed loss. There's somebody loses there. It's not great. But those companies go on. I, I've had my information stolen all over the place, you know, from multiple retailers now. It's never affected me personally. Like I've never been, I've never been credit stolen or anything like that. But if, if, if the company that I get my, you know, auto insurance from uh, was, was severely breached in their mainframe and, like, couldn't do business anymore, that would affect me personally in yes. a way that would – and them right. – in a way that would, would, would be really not all that good. So, so, it's, so some people get that, and others when – we, when we start talking about this, others are just like, yeah, but, you know, we've got all these other priorities and all this other stuff, and we've got a limited amount of money to spend, and, 
and well, I get they, that. And they know? think it's because it's so far behind their firewall system that they're safe, right? I mean, Sometimes, I see that yeah. a lot. And I say, well, what about your, what about the internal threat? And and do you, you know, do you have contractors? And do you offshore anything? And do you have, you know, it's like most of the time now networks are not like really right. small. And But there's this idea that, you know, now really you should be treating your internal network like a hostile environment, right? Right. It, just assume. It, it, right. It, it should be just as bad as the outside world. Every host should be its own, you know, encryption at rest, encryption in flight. It should be, you know, like a pervasive level of encryption hmm. everywhere, right? You know, I mean, yeah. like that would be a really good idea. Right. So if I had pervasive encryption, <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. then I, I, I could – I don't wouldn't have to worry about passwords. Yeah, no, I, I could go solves, back to it solves all your problems. Yeah. That's what I heard. This is a funny story. So there's a <laughs> there's a guy who works uh so you know, I'm sure everybody who listens to your podcast knows that I everybody who has a again, TV or any kind of social media or ever looked at the web in the last couple of months knows that, you know, IBM released pervasive encryption and there's E fourteen, it's amazing. Um but I'm glad you brought that up, Frank, because it's like uh it's really important. But I, what I often see when you step back at an enterprise level is people see something that's really good security, and then like, but they miss entirely the risk that it prevents, where they don't take it in context with anything else. It's like I got bars on my windows, really, like literally bars on my windows, but no back door. Right. <laughs> right? It's like, yeah, but my, I have bars on my windows. Right. right. Look, how, good look bars. how serious I am. You don't have a back door. You literally don't <laughs> have a back door, right? You know, you're running a jail if I put a door up at this point. So, you know, the thing about pervasive encryption is, like, it is absolutely, for a lot of ways, a really important risk mitigation for data exfiltration, right? So for people yeah. who get in or are already inside your network – we want to take your data either by sniffing the wire, so like the communication TLS, IPsec part of uh, of uh, pervasive encryption, or maybe have the ability to actually like steal hard drives. If you have a data, you have other problems if they can get in your data center and steal <laughs> hard drives. I just want to say, but you know that that those self encrypting drives, that kind of idea, does protect you when you get rid of that array or sell it or whatever that people can't get that. Yep. But but the data set encryption part of it, which is where the real magic is made, uh, is really important because we've now limited the number of people that can actually read that data. Like there's this, this is the, the old kind of adage is like, look, if you have, you have storage engineers, right, and system administrators, all these people need to have, by definition of their job, a high level of authority on box, a box, right? But they don't need to be able to read Jeff's social security number or your credit card number. They just need to be able to back that data up or they just need to be able to reboot the box or create a new file or whatever, yeah. you know? What, what data set encryption does, like the third tier of the, of the pervasive encryption, is basically makes that possible. So the only people who can read and write the data are the people that need to read and write the data. But you can back the data up, copy the data, and move the data around as a storage engineer, let's say, yeah. or a system administrator, without being able to read the data. That is fantastic, right? Because that that's, is that's, magic. That's long been a, an issue. <clears throat> how, issue. How do I give somebody the authority to do all the stuff they need to do on this system yeah. without giving them carte blanche to do whatever they want with that data? Right. That's exactly right. And. It is, a, it, is a, it is a least privilege issue. It's a, all kinds of stuff. But, I mean, you know, you've got to give somebody access to back the data up. Yeah. And that was always the thing. Well, they've got volume-level access. Well, they get volume-level access. 
guess what? They can read anything they want. Right. They can change the data. If they can restore it from tape, they can edit the data necessarily. Uh, but, the, but, but, but uh, you know, data set level encryption solves that problem. But, but it isn't a silver bullet against right. hackers, right? Guess what you can do with encrypted data? You can encrypt it. <laughs> this is kind of an aha moment right. for people. So we mentioned ransomware. I've got a talk that I give and I gave it, been given for a year now called Ransomware on the Mainframe. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I call it Ransomware on the Mainframe Checkmate. And I, <laughs> I, I joke about it. I gave it at a share a, a while ago. Like the first time I gave it, I gave it a share. And it kind of made a the joke. There was a lot of people in the room, and it was like, I could have sold hugs at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> And, of course, my sales guy was like, why weren't you there selling hugs? <laughs> Sorry, man. I'm not a sales guy. Right? I don't do that. But the point was, look, you know, one of the weakest links on a lot of people's mainframes is their password policy. A lot of people who are running RACF still use DES as their encryption algorithm, and they still have max eight characters, and their key space is only upper and ten digits and the three special characters. Do you know how fast, like, if I have your RACF database and I, I manage to get a copy of it off the mainframe, yeah. you know how fast I can brute force those passwords? Something to the tune of about 6 billion tries per second. So how long at that rate, with that key space of only 39 characters, do you think it will take me to get one good user? Right. A sysprog, storage admin, security administrator, right? And I can do the whole thing in a, in a, in a day if I really want to be, like, you know, run up the score. <laughs> But the point is, when I did the ransomware talk, I was like, listen, I don't have to attack the mainframe. You can have the best secured mainframe there is. But any good pen tester will tell you that, you know, the weakest point in any system is the guy behind the keyboard, right? Vast majority of of hacks happen not because they're the WannaCry vulnerability in SMP, uh, like the WannaCry, the vulnerability in SMP uh, that, uh, or SMP, sorry, that WannaCry used. Uh, but but because like I got your password and username from a dump from a different site and you reused it, or I sent you a phishing email mm-hmm. and you opened something and that malware grabbed your username and password. So I wrote a demonstration, sort of ransomware light, <clears throat> where I basically the user did everything right. So it wasn't like oh well we don't because I. I when you work around mainframers long enough, you, you imagine already what they're going to say, right? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes. well, I would never click on anything, yep. so yeah. that wouldn't work. And I was like, okay, I need something where it's just like a standard course of business. So it was like, you know, person just goes to a really reputable website, Forbes.com. Now, if you ever looked at the network when you load Forbes.com, but you're pulling in, you're pulling in stuff from right. hundreds of sites. It's don't ever watch it in like a Wireshark. It's just it's horrible. All it takes is one of those sites to and have been compromised, right? right? And nothing against Forbes, really, but like any, any major conglomeration sure. site, your Wall Street Journal, your MSNBC, CNN, all those kinds of sites. One of those sites that has some content ad or some JavaScript or something gets compromised and some browser bug that isn't been patched or people don't know about yet, and I can run code on your machine. This happens all the time. So what I said to them is like, look, I just compromised this guy's machine, put a key logger on there, got his mainframe credentials, did a little bit of wizardry on the network and figured out what the 3270 connection was. And then I, I was able to upload JCL over FTP and execute it. And now I'm running code on the mainframe and I, all I compromised was a Windows box. Everybody's got a Windows box. Everybody's got their 3270 emulator on there, right? So this is the thing. It's like, 
there's an ecosystem around this that that we have to start thinking about because this is how the bad guys think, right? They're going to take the sort of the path of least resistance. But we've started. We were talking about pervasive encryption and data set encryption. So you know, you can encrypt your data sets, and that has that actually comes with its own risks around key management and stuff like that. But I can re-encrypt that data. So I can still take that data away from you, hold it ransom or just destroy it or whatever. And and you're you're still at point A. So so it's like do the pervasive encryption, do this, but understand that it it takes care of this risk, yeah. the data exploitation risk. You still gotta cover these other bases. Security is a I mean, there's a you know, it's like you close all these doors, but like there's one window open or you let somebody in and they leave the back door unlocked. All these things happen, right? That's that's really interesting though, because just because the data is encrypted does not mean it's safe. <laughs> because if you escalate your privileges and now you have some the ability to do some operations on that data, you can encrypt that and short of backups, there's there's no way back from that. Yeah, right. Because you you've basically turned it into your game. Right. I pulled my uh, I pulled my staff together back when I worked at the at the bank one time, and it was really funny because I was like. We need to do some threat modeling. And they were like, huh? And I was like, we need to think like bad guys. And they said, okay, well, what do you want? I was like, what's the worst thing you could do? Uh, what, what, oh, I love what, this what game. And they're like, <laughs> I'm like, what's the worst thing you could do? And they started out like, well, I could, you know, I could delete this catalog. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. But like, you know, that would, that would mess us up for a while. But we'd bring it, the system down, the sysplex, copy it over. There's multiple copies. We share the catalogs. Get, go, go beyond. Well, we could we could mess up the tape catalog, and then you wouldn't. Well, that's that's good. What else? So by the time we got done to it, it was beautiful. We're like, okay, <laughs> we'd go in and we'd scratch all the tapes and we the oldest ones and then newest ones, and nobody really knew that was going on. And then we pull the tape, and they were like, yeah. And then we could do this, and then we could do that other thing. And I was like, excellent. I've created monsters. <laughs> this is how you guys should be thinking, right? Oh, because it's like you know. Somebody's thinking this way, so you should be thinking this way, right? I mean, that's the beauty of the job, too, is I get to be, like, super nefarious and thinking, like, how these things work. And the, the best thing about it is, like, it, it is a real target. It is an actual target. There are people that would, that would care to do harm to companies that have these things. It's not, we're, not, we're not making up tinfoil hat-based right. scenarios here where because somebody's going to hack your Nest thermostat. Like, yeah, that's cute, Right. Phil and I have, you know, this kind of thing where it's like, yeah, we went to there and somebody hacked a fridge. Like, oh, that's cute. That's <laughs> nice. Look at that. Oh, what did it, did your beer get warm? That's right. Aw. You we'll know? put that hack up on the fridge. There we <laughs> go. <laughs> it's a refrigerator hack. I get that. That's good, Frank. Wow, it's like that. Works on two levels. That's, that's, <laughs> you get the comedy pyramid yeah. working. That's it's really good. But, you know, it's like, you know, but this really matters. Yeah. And, and part of the reason it's hard to get traction, though, is because people – you joked about, right. Jeff, inherently secure. People who think that. Yeah. People who think it's unhackable. I still get that. Well, and it's, oh, hold it's, on. A- ask me why, why it's secure. Why is it secure? Well, you know, Rack F. Right. Mumble, mumble, mumble. Well, <laughs> yeah. Rack F. Key storage. Yeah. I, I, I got a story, and anybody – people have heard me tell this story, and I've said it during – um, talks and speech and stuff, but it, it bears repeating because it, it just so perfectly encapsulates the, the mindset and the shift. And I gave a talk uh, at, at one time, and I, this guy came up to me, he's a lovely fellow, and I, I don't remember his name, and I wouldn't call him out here anyway, but he was their, like, their security architects, you know, head of their security, and he's like, the, so I give this talk where I'd shown like, 
you know, buffer overflows and Java exploits. And just as an aside, Java exploits work on the mainframe great because Java is Java. Right. So if Java exploit works on your Mac or your Windows, your Unix box, guess what? works on the ZOS <laughs> and it works off the shelf. It's magic. It does the Ipsodic translation for you. It's so great. <laughs> you're, so you're a fan. It's, I'm a big fan. Big fan. <laughs> big fan. Got the T-shirt, everything. Big fan. But anyway, he comes up to me afterwards. He's like, so all this stuff you did, that's your system? And I was like, yeah, that's my system. Nope, nobody's going to let me do this on their production box, right? I've got my own kind of carved away like system, right? He's like, so you have full access to it. And I said, well, yeah. Some of the stuff I'm doing, clearly, I've bricked a lot of systems, right? Yeah. You learn a lot by that, by the way. <laughs> that's the way um, you learn. Yeah, I've gen systems, like things that people haven't done in a long time, like built them from scratch because I've bricked them so bad. <laughs> I know how to build a standalone dump volume for that reason. It's another story for another day. <clears throat> but anyway. Oh, yeah, uh, the we'll have to come back. <laughs> yeah, guy, so, he, so he said, well, you should make that a disclaimer. You should make that a disclaimer that, that it's your system and you have full access on it. And you just, and I, was, I was like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? Like, I just give you a bunch of cool proofs of concepts and, like, wicked ASCII art on here. You know, So desperate to, right? to put an and, asterisk next to what you did. So great. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you couldn't do that on our system. And I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? Well, you sat through the same thing I just talked through. He's like, well, we've got this, you know, this and this and this, and it's all locked down. And I was like, I got you. <clears throat> I, the light came on. I was like, well – but you could, right? What's your job? And he's like, well, I run the security group. So I was like, you have, you know, Rack have special or whatever. You, you could do this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, well, in this scenario, I'm you. And he just sat there for a minute. And he's like, I'm like, I'm you. I, I'm not going to – I want to attack your mainframe. I'm going to attack you. And if I'm serious enough about it, like, you know, honestly, like, I'm, like blackmail you or kidnap yeah. your kids. Like, we're not joking around here. Like, if I want to get to you, somebody will get to you. And he just looked at me and he was like – well, that's not fair. <laughs> and I, I felt Guys, bad. call off the like, hack. It's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. So I gave fair. him a hug. And I was like, yeah, but, but it was like a convert. The yeah. light came on, yeah. right? You could do everything right. And, and one, of your, you know, one of your people could leave the back door unlocked before they go to bed, right? Like, they, you know, you could do everything right on the system, <clears throat> which is why I say, look, you got to have multiple. you got to have two-factor, multi-factor authentication would, would reduce a ton of these potential exploits because that prevents credential reuse which is a huge huge reason why all not not mainframe all kinds of stuff gets abused because somebody downloads a list of usernames and passwords that you use somewhere else and boom there you are right multi-factor authentication you've got to have uh you know d- d- detection user user behavior analysis anomaly detection all these other things that you see because you need to know if it's happening, when it happens, you can't just focus on prevention, right? Prevention is important. You got to do that, but you also got to move beyond to let's assume it's going to happen. Yeah. Hell, if you really want to be mature, you actually need to make it happen and then figure out how would you get back from it. Because you know it's kind of like back in the day when BCP was like, yeah, we put everything in the tapes and then we take the boxes from Iron Mountain and we we drive down the road to. Uh, yeah, you know, like one of those places that stands up a mainframe for us and we bring our system up and we IPL, we're good, right? It's good. <laughs> and how many companies found where they actually had to go to BCP and were like, oh my God, we're woefully unprepared. <laughs> and like, you know, the t- our data is how old now? Days, right. weeks old and so on and so forth. So like, if you really want this, you need to drill for this. You need to, you know, you need to, and that's a mature, that's a high level maturity model. What I would say to companies is, well, don't start there. Fix your password policy first, right? right? <laughs> Implement passphrases or multi-factor. Those are big wins, you know. Get your users to not use their personal PC for both email and TM3270 access, <laughs> huh. right? Give them a virtual virtual desktop, right? You can get like a you know like a Citrix session or a virtual desktop session. 
you open that, your TN3270s on that. So the only network that can get to the mainframe is that. Why does your Windows machine need, why do all the Windows machines on your network need access directly to Kicks and, and uh, TN3270, TSO? They don't. That should be limited, and, and there should be another level of, you know, all this stuff is doable. And these are things that people do with other really important systems. But it's like, oh, well, this is just the mainframe. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if you had to narrow it down to one, yeah. and you do, mm-hmm. what's the number one thing people are doing wrong that you wish they would stop doing? Besides not calling you for work. Yeah, right. They're not they're – not, <laughs> my phone's not ringing off the hook. Uh, <laughs> Do you do you want like a technical thing, or do you want like more of an esoteric thing? I got one Ooh. for each. Do both. Okay. Yeah, let's do both. All right. So the esoteric thing is, they're not thinking like an adversary. They don't know who their adversary is, and they're not thinking like the adversary. Right? It's like, what's the least? What's the path of least resistance? What are they likely to do? What's the worst case scenario? Start really thinking like the bad guy. The second, the the technical thing is, you know, fix your passwords, fix your password policies, get multi-factor. Add those lowercase letters in there. You know? <laughs> Add the extra special cases in there. You know, crank up your password algorithm from DES to KDFAES if you're a RACF user or whatever. You know, all of those things will buy you a ton. Multi-factor authentication will buy you a ton, a ton of prevention just because you can't reuse passwords, which is a super easy way to get into your system, right? That's a number one thing people don't do. And why, what was that, Jeff? You asked why don't they do that? I'll tell you <laughs> why, why they don't, why don't do, do that. that? <laughs> Sorry, my mic was off. Yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> Sorry, I was on mute. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was on mute. I was on mute. I'm sorry. <laughs> can, you repeat, can you repeat the question? <laughs> uh, sorry, who joined? <laughs> <laughs> was that you, Jeff? Did you, did you leave? I'm in a car. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a funny story about that later. Oh my God. Uh, we, we, I used to run data center operations. We run loads of bridge lines all the time, all the time, right? Constantly on the bridge lines. And we get people all over the place. You know, I got pulled a guy out of a Celine Dion concert one time, <laughs> come on the phone. But one time, what, and you, but enough about here, Phil. The joke, it wasn't Phil. It was Phil, actually. Sorry, Phil. The, the uh, joke you always hear somebody going to the bathroom. You know, was, that happens all the time. But the best one was actually. Uh, <clears throat> this this person was on the phone. Got pulled. Was in the car. Got pulled over by the police. <laughs> but it's like I'm in the you know put their phone down. Didn't mute it or hang it up. And we we as you do when you're friends with people. We all got really quiet and right. listened to the entire interaction, <laughs> <laughs> start to finish. And then when they got to the office, it was like, so you didn't know how fast you were going, huh? <laughs> Best ever, right? Best ever. And they were like, "What? Is, what, what? How did you know? You had your phone. Did I have my phone on the whole? Yeah, you get yeah. all the pleading yeah. and the excuses and the I'm sorry. The crying the, didn't work. Oh, huh? beautiful. <laughs> absolutely beautiful. Yeah, but you know, to, to your point, that 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 whole password thing is absolutely an easy win. And the reason they don't do it for a lot of places is because sometimes rightfully so, and sometimes because it's a story they tell themselves. They have applications that front-end TSO, or they have applications, obviously, that front-end kicks or whatever. And those applications have been around since whenever. The dawn of time. The dawn of time, right? And, 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 and they may <clears throat> expect you to only have an eight-character uppercase password. They may front-end that logic, right? Or passphrases right. is a big one. But like even two-factor requires you to have a bigger field there, that kind of stuff. So that requires a lot of 
money and time because you have to do the business analysis to make sure it's sort of like you know when you're in a data center you're like what's the server doing I don't know like, shut the switch off and see, <laughs> see what, what happens <laughs> right you can't really turn this on and see which applications break unless you have a really robust test environment well well, test is just like production, right? I mean, most people have it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Production. Absolutely. So that's the problem, right? Well, this is where, like, you know, MFA will probably get you through. You'll probably be able to make that work at a minimum. Passphrases are a different deal, and they're harder to make it work in that case. But, again, still things you can do on this line, right? That's uh, in, But those, those passwords that somebody is supposed to remember – are always going and usually going to be that low-hanging fruit that you talk about. Absolutely, and you know, um, I'll let you guys in a little. I'll, I'll let you in a little secret. Ooh, of, hold, on, hold on, this is Chad's secret. This, time. Is, secret. <laughs> this is this is actually something I've pitched, and that I'm going to probably do a talk on. But I'm also I'm also going to d- demonstrate it. Is is I'm going to turn this whole idea on its ear because it was like well. The sad thing is a lot of times the mainframe password is the low-hanging fruit in the organization. People make their passwords the same. So, like, if you get somebody's Windows password, it's probably their mainframe password, too, and they can't use as much entropy as they, they could in their mainframe, in their Windows password, because they want it to be the eight characters they use in their mainframe, right? So the mainframe becomes the weakest, in another horrible irony, becomes the weakest <laughs> link in the password <laughs> ecosystem, so that the, the idea is the, the next generation of, like, this kind of a demonstration is, I'm going to use your mainframe to hack the rest of your enterprise, I'm going to come in via the mainframe because it's the weakest link in your password policy. I'm going to crack those passwords or get those passwords and use those to get domain and all the other stuff on there, right? Because it's like, listen, this is upside down world, right? (laughs) This should be, and it can be the most secured. It can be all the things that we we like to joke about, right? Locked down, Fort Knox, all these other things that, that would absolutely make it I wouldn't say impenetrable. There's no such thing, right? But it's like the old joke about, you know, like we're walking through the woods and we run into a bear, right? Like, yeah. you know, I don't have yep. to outrun the bear. I just got to outrun you. you. Your mainframe's just got to look better than the next thing or the next guy's mainframe or the next system on your network because there's a finite – for most of them, there's a finite amount of time. They've got some targets. They're casting a wide net or whatever. You know, because the bad news is if they really want you or your system see previous notes, like they'll get you somewhere. Right. But if they just want a system, if they just want – some part of it. There's no reason it should be that platform. That one should be like, oh no, we got one of those Gibsons. Yeah, we're moving on, right? We're not. <laughs> we got pendulum. You can't hack it. the Gibsons, man. <laughs> we're moving on, right? So it's like you know, you you really ought to be in that. And there's no reason most people could be in that yeah. situation, you know. Two minutes, <laughs> right? But yeah. but like, you know, the the sad fact is a lot of times it is actually the, from a password policy perspective, and from some other from other things. It can do all of this stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but but it's but it's often the least best configured, because the people that are responsible for it understand it really well, but they don't necessarily understand what the threats look like. I'm I'm pretty sure that um, I would have an easier time getting access to an ID that could do some real damage on a mainframe system than I would asking the same person who gave me that. For their own laptop password. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It'll probably be easy to remember too. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And or if you talk about like, um, you know, one of my other favorite drums to beat is egress filtering, right? So if people think about firewalls, right? The job of a firewall, especially when you started thinking about it, like you know, decades ago, is to stop bad stuff from coming, coming in, in, right? But what 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 everybody quickly realized is like, well, it's actually a really good indicator of what's wrong. You know, it's sort of like. <laughs> 
Sort of like if you have kids or a dog, like a really good indicator of something's wrong with it is what's coming out of it, right? <laughs> and just how let it's that, coming just out. Just let that sink in for a little while, right? <laughs> Same thing. Like, you know, a lot of indicators of compromise that you've been breached is looking for that phone home, the command and control message, or the exfiltration of data. Uh. Egress filtering is like, do you know what connections your system or your network are making outbound, and have you whitelisted them? Have you made it so that, yeah, you, should, you have no reason to connect SSH outbound to the network? Or why can my mainframe, I love this demonstration, like why can my mainframe make a connection to my PC on the LAN on port 12345? Why can it do that? It should not be able to do that, right? Uh-huh. Should your mainframe, do you have SMTP configured on your mainframe? Should you? One of my one of our favorite tricks is mailing things to people from themselves off the mainframe, right? It's like because right. you know you're not controlling those services or you're not locking down the outbound traffic. The number of connections that that mainframe should make outbound that you don't know about already is pretty small, right? <laughs> yeah. So again, it's about making the and you'll get the people who's like, "Well, yeah, but that wouldn't prevent me from doing this or that." That's the other thing people say all the time, right? <laughs> Until it's you not a panacea, everything. It's not a silver bullet. And it's like well, that's not the point. The point yeah. is to keep throwing up roadblocks. Till you're out running the other guy, not the bear, right? I mean, <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's that's an, that's another one right behind. You didn't ask me for number two, but that's another one right behind password <laughs> policy. So uh, we we have to we have to do a part two and three of this because this is been yeah, it's been a little we, long. We, 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 we've run long already. It's been like six hours now. Right? <laughs> Something like that. Sun's up. We gotta go. To a, we gotta go. Geez, we gotta go to a session now. Yeah, I, I already. Uh, we went through six sessions. It was incredible. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> Bars closed. This has been fantastic, and it just I want to remind. Uh, was it RSM Partners? RSM Partners. Yeah. Um, or you can find me on the Twitters at, at, at Big Indian Smalls. which is another story altogether. <laughs> but what, what's great about the, the uh, two two things about your postings is is that first off, you you are connected to a lot of people just in the non-mainframe security world. So what you talk about and why you've been so interesting today is that you're, you're not limiting yourself just to mainframe, but you're, you're all about it. The second thing is you've made, you made me laugh harder than I've ever laughed when we were coming up with wrestler mainframe names. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> and do you remember the, the one you, you put out there? No, I would put a bunch of them out there. I was on a roll that day. Macho Man Charles Babbage. That's <laughs> it killed me. That killed me. It was... The funniest damn thing. <laughs> you and me and Dickens and a few other people were just like hammering at home, right? Oh, man, that was a good one. Uh, it was, if you had told me 20 years ago, I'd be laughing at that. I'd get out of here. Charles who? <laughs> uh, but this that's is... Funny. this Thanks. is No, that's great. I love it. I enjoy <laughs> the, the irreverence that goes on in the Twitter sphere. Oh, it's, it's just it's fantastic. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. I, this has been fun. I appreciate it. Well, thank it. you very much for for spending your evening with us. <laughs> oh, man. I, there's no place I'd rather be, really. Let, let's end on that. End on that. Yeah. Let's it, shut it down. Shut it down. <laughs> Old Man Charlie, play us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at TerminalTalk.net. That's contact at TerminalTalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence, signing off.